Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Christian Lewis, today. It's a Brother, Brother podcast, and we're talking about the Grammys. You can now listen to episodes on the Brother Pod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we carry for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the talkback feature. Ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download it onto your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at BrotherPod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful, extremely helpful, if you rate and review us on iTunes. So, let's talk about the Grammys. Brother, brother, brother podcast. This week we are talking Grammys and uh, Grammy chairman Neil Portnow after uh, last year's Grammy award ceremony was criticized as being uh, sort of too overly male, told the ladies to step up if they wanted to be recognized. Motherfucker, they did. Uh, <laughs> they certainly did. It was a, it was a, um, a, a very like you know female uh, heavy performance and and really a, a bunch of extraordinary ones in there. I thought um, uh, it was. I mean, a, a, actually, for my money, I think one of the um, better performance series. Although as as we were uh, discussing, I, I think we watched it slightly differently. If um, uh, is that right? Yeah, I watched it uh, live. Um, so, you know, I haven't, and didn't really rewatch it. So, um, I'm going to go with what was essentially my, uh, initial reactions to it. Um, as if, uh, somehow they're more genuine than if I had gone to YouTube and watched it like the rest of America, um, and the world. I think you would, I think you would certainly be less annoyed by the, um, Super Bowl length, uh, commercial breaks, um, and, and the frequency. Uh, it, it is, you know, with, I think with to, one caveat, I will say, um, the uh, the fact that Childish Gambino did not show up at the awards, but that his commercial uh, debuted, and the commercial's really good. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, I think he uh, he sort of followed um, uh, Drake's lead in that respect, which is um, which is getting uh, handed a, a major award in your absence. Is that right? Um, he was. Uh, I suppose pretty pretty conspicuously absent. Um, did they uh, did they actually skip that portion of the awards ceremony, or was he? No, um, no, it was they... someone who accepted for him, and it was you know confusing. People didn't know who to hand the trophy to, and then they didn't know which way to exit the stage. But um, the fact is that uh, I don't know if you've seen that ad, but it's it's kind of a cool ad, and I wish I could tell you what it was for. Um, but uh, it's um, basically him reprising a lot of the dance moves from. Uh, um, America, you know, from the This Is America um, video and with a, uh, a computer generated doppelganger. Um, what, a, what, an in, what an incredibly woke way to, to sell peanut M&M's. Is that what it is, um, peanut M&M's? No, I have no <laughs> idea, but, um, but, but whatever it's for, it, it does feel like it's sort of 
uh, cheaper than the than the message of the song itself. I feel like it was you know Samsung or something, but yeah, um, it's pretty difficult to to like match you know um, like whatever whatever product you're hawking. Uh, I think you yeah. might want to pick something else that's like just there's those types of juxtapositions are always a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, this it really looks for like the American Tourism Board or cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so where where do we uh, where do we want to start? I think you know we want to go through some of the highlights and lowlights here. Um, Absolutely. I mean, what was your favorite performance of the night? Uh, that's okay. So that's tough. I think um, if I had to pick a, not necessarily the most um, <clears throat> glamorous uh, or sort of the the most star powered, um, but actually I think my favorite and possibly you know sort of pr- partly for authenticity. Uh, sake is was was actually Brandy Carlisle's performance of the joke. I I think that she is so good at that song. Um, it's it's a great song that sort of reminds me of a, a, a you know sort of sixties and seventies like folk rock era. Um, she seems so incredibly comfortable uh, on stage and and sort of in her own skin and isn't trying to be something that she's not. I think it's um, part and parcel with her doing about seven thousand live dates a year. I've been yes. watching her, you know, I, I swear to God. Tour of the late night circuit, yeah. yeah that was it, I've seen her in the club listings for, you know, feels like for since, the, you know, I was born. No, it's true. And, and um, you know, it's it's a it's a great song with a, a positive message and, um, you know, has a, again, it sort of, she feels like she would be very comfortable on stage with, with Neil Young and um, Joni Mitchell uh, and, and perhaps Dolly Parton. Um, but Wyndham... You know who wasn't comfortable on stage with Dolly Parton? Um, can I say Katy Perry? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say um, singing uh, Neil Young ultimately in the Dolly Parton. Uh, in the Dolly, I actually had to uh, go and look to see if Dolly Parton had had a hand in writing um, after the Gold after Rush. the Gold Rush because it. I was realizing that that was entirely possible. Dolly Parton's done so much that um, she could have co-written or written uh, actually, Gold Rush. I assumed that she did. I didn't. I, that's funny. I actually uh, had no idea. I just I, sort of I took I, for granted that this was what I was being told. You know. I no, like, I actually think it was a, it was a uh, it was a way to slide in a comment about um, uh, climate change into um, you know uh, that probably most people didn't. Get, but it, I think my guess is that it was <laughs> an attempt at politi- you know, make, sending a political message because it's it was, look at Mother Nature actually, on the run in the 2019 or whatever. Uh, or perhaps it was a comment about the uh, the, the bimetallism and, and like um, of of uh, of the silver based currency in in eighteen um, eighty three when Dolly Parton uh, got her uh, got her start I think um, yeah. in, <laughs> or at least when she was uh, when she was first inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame she um, is she is the shit <laughs> I mean I love it I, it's I, amazing I, I'm loath to say that I I did. Uh, laugh out loud when I, I read a, a review or a uh, recap of the uh, of the Grammys and on the ringer Rob Arvilla wrote that um, Katy Perry sounded like Dolly Parton looks um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a horrible thing to say and a really funny line at the same time um, but yes. god you know I, I Katie uh, Casey Musgraves fantastic throughout the night big winner everything Dolly Parton always one of my favorite people on earth um, just so goddamn smart and cool and awesome Miley Cyrus who I I've, I'm a fan of and who I think actually for the most part you know 
while she's had her sort of um, uh, periodic maybe lapses of sort of artistic judgment, um, you know, for the most part, I think, has always been, and, and first of all, an enthusiastic and very genuine fan of the, you know, sort of country greats, which I've always really she's liked. A, she's a genuine article. She's, um, you know, she's a talented person. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny how, um, you know, it, it every, yeah, I think she's a genuine, genuine, um, accolade of, uh, yeah. of Dolly Parton's. Yes. Um, and in some ways you have to wonder, um, you know, who, who she was modeling herself off when she was sort of telling, uh, telling the media to go, um, take a flyer. And, and I think that that's, uh, you know that that's sort of it, it's pretty clear that she draws inspiration um, uh, in, in a lot of the ways that she conducts herself um, from uh, from that sort of era of of country great. But like overall, that was a ten minute just monstrosity. I thought it was really confusing. It, um, I think I, it, I think if Katy Perry hadn't sounded and I and I wrote it down when I when I was watching it, I said this is the Taylor Swift this year's Taylor Swift Rhiannon Award winner. Um, if, if Katy Perry hadn't tried to like overpower the song and everybody on stage at the very beginning, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I thought it was, you know, reasonably, uh, it was suitably, uh, genuflecting at the altar of, of Dolly Parton. Well, you know, it, it gets to a question, I think of like, um, how to manage, uh, one of those sort of, I, I think most challenging, like musical live, live musical formats, which is the medley, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. It, it, I mean, this isn't like a like a, uh, like vaudeville theater, you know. It's like these are people with like big sort of diva voices, and um, frankly, they're all used to being front and center, mm-hmm. uh, as we saw. Um, and so, I, I think that while actually, you know, the the sort of the quiet heroes of a medley like that were probably Little Big Town, um, just because they stayed the fuck out of the way, you know. Yeah, they were um, good. Like they support, they they played the supporting role that they were asked to play, and didn't really complain about it. Well, there's a deferential nature of of country music historically, and and that is yeah. part of it. It's yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and and you know, I mean, as we rigidly know from, hierarchical. Yeah, from, that's a great point. You know, um, you know, from reading out of reading biographies, reading histories, and and watching Mike Judge's Tales from the Tour Bus, um, you know, these people are not as well behaved as their onstage manner would have you uh uh have you think i mean uh but yeah when you get to the grand Ole opry and and you're um addressing an audience it's yes ma'am yes sir and and curtsy and bow and and all the formalities that come with being southern um yeah and it's interesting to see um the i mean you you in fact i think one is often made more aware of this um in the in the sort of rare cases of rebellious behavior within country music so um you know when you see a Sturgill Simpson or a Margot Price or sort of Steve refuse Earl. to yeah. yeah sort of refuse to fall into line um and actually make some noise about that it kind of uh you know it it tends to alert my attention to it more than when you just sort of um see the fact that uh you know the the Chris Stapletons of this world are are typically very sort of understated. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they. I mean, I thought they did well, um, but but overall, you know, the the medley is is a tough format. Now, I will say uh, to to pivot slightly to one of my favorite performances again. Um, I would say that uh, I thought Alicia Keys knocked hers out of the park. Yeah, she's pretty good. It turns out. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, she's won, you know, she's won all of 49 Grammys or something yeah. like that. I mean, she, um, she's does, a you know, decorated she, veteran. She looked like she'd borrowed her outfit from uh, um, Sigourney Weaver in the Ice Storm, which was a good thing, not a bad thing. It was a very, like, yes. uh, you know, mid-70s Diana Ross kind of um kind of look uh claudine era and um but you know it was a, it was awesome she she was great and she's you know she's a perfect uh host she is positive and warm and you know accommodating and can uh has performed enough in her life that if there are miscues they can be um overcome you know there's nothing totally. that's going to throw her and she was she's really good at it. I mean, it, the funny thing is in the middle, in the midst of this whole thing, you know, we have this Oscar blow up controversy where Kevin Hart is, um, you know, scheduled to, uh, host the Oscars and, and, you know, they, there's a, uh, you know, hubbub about his, uh, you know, past indiscretions on, on Twitter and, and they wind up with no host. And I wonder if, you know, simply choosing somebody who, who, I mean, in Alicia Keys case, obviously she can perform, um, but just having somebody who's a genial presence and, and that people obviously respect might be the right move for the Oscars. Yeah, um, that, that picking somebody who has uh, sort of a, a social conscience. An universal um, appeal. Right. And, and yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, of course, she was also uh, sort of defined herself as a, as a judge on um, uh, The Voice by... Um, you know, refusing to wear makeup on television, um, which was sort of, which, you know, made a lot of headlines. And um, I think, you know, which demonstrated yet a new dimension to an artist that we were all pretty familiar with. Here's a little Um, secret. She doesn't need any. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And, uh, you know, again, I I thought uh, here, sort of paying homage to to the greats and sort of a a lot of the right people from Roberta Flack to Lauryn Hill, um, and, uh, you know, ultimately, I thought what was interesting about it was that I so rarely end up thinking about, like, um, a, a medley and um, sort of appreciating, like, any message uh, mm-hmm. from, from the song selection or, or sort of choice and ordering. And this was sort of about, you know, it was very clear, like, about musical transformation and, like, you know, you're, you're sort of absorbing all of these different inspirations and influences and um, actually you know, embracing them and, and t- then turning that into your own song or your own music, which I thought was like a really heavy topic for a three and a half minute, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, segment, but a really good one too. Um, and it's sort of well executed plus two pianos. That's cool. Yeah. I was going to say, when, when, he, when is she uh, playing the, the, you know, downstairs lounge at the, uh, you know, at the, uh, uh, the golden nugget in Vegas uh, looked like one of those, you know, sort of, trick piano show kind of things that you know where people uh whatever it doesn't matter um (laughs) it was what is what came to mind when i saw that but it um but i did you know even the even the sentiment involved you know songs i wish i wrote it's kind of a it's a pleasing idea it's by nature deferential and and um you know uh giving credit uh right there's humility and and sort of like uh uh um, a genuine sort of admiration for um, for for some of the big talents in the industry, which is um, yeah, which is I, I think in general uh, what we're what we're getting at, and we're sort of um, 
in, in some respects, I'm I'm almost you know I'm stumbling over my myself to to sort of um, to to say thank you um, for for not having such a colossal ego uh, that it gets in the way of, of actually um, appreciating things that you like. Well, can um, we can we segue quickly just and then we'll we'll take a break after this. But I would love to discuss false humility at award shows, and I will I will lead you down um, the primrose path here. Uh, the Lady Gaga acceptance was I found extremely annoying because you know you're on the verge of tears and then you're not and then you are again um you know it's a very performative acceptance and then additionally Drake who comes out this is the Grammys which is kind of funny except that it's Drake and um and then you know does the sort of false humility of of naming everybody else in the in the um category um Here's my theory. Here's my new theory on Drake is that he is his transition from Degrassi High or Degrassi (laughs) Junior High, whichever one he was on, to hip hop. Um, He has just turned hip hop into Degrassi High. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that take. I think, um, I've, I've sort of, uh, well, I, I think we've, we've, collectively been sort of calling this guy out as a, as a little bit of a fraud. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think, like, it wasn't my first instinct when I heard that Drake was making music to say, like, oh, fuck that guy. Like, I, you know, is that, is that the fellow from Degrassi? Um, but but it, was, it was the overcompensating and, like, overzealous um, statement of authenticity that so bothered me about it. It's like, you you are so heavy-handedly professing to be something that you're not. Um, and if you hadn't done that, you really, you wouldn't have tempted me um, to sort of declare, like, uh, you know, to, to sort to of judge pull you back on the curtain. <laughs> yeah, criteria. exactly. Well, that's, um, a th- right. that's the thing. I, and, I, and this is what I mean when I say that I, he's still on Degrassi. Is like, I feel like everything he does is designed to be written about for its drama quotient rather than, uh, anything he does as a musician, you know, I feel like his persona and his life um, is definitely uh, leaned more heavily upon when you talk about Drake than um, than the music. I just don't. I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a fan of his music, but um, I do think that everything is kind of done to sort of buoy this dramatic narrative, whichever one is you know currently being. Um, entertained but it is funny i mean he's maintained a like a middle school drama level all all the way through his hip-hop career yeah um and no i think you're uh there's an interesting um parallel here i think between uh drake and lady gaga and the sort of false humility or or um you know feigned uh, surprise of, of the awards victory and the fact that both of them are effectively equal parts actor and um, uh, and, yeah. and musical performer, you know, I, I think um, she is. It, it, it's interesting, sort of. A star is boring, being such, being so much the perfect vehicle for um, for the launch of her um, acting career. But it's it's pretty clear that uh, she's had this ability. She's always acting. She's always performing in sort of multiple dimensions, not just um, uh, not not just uh, as a as a vocal performer. So, um, you know, the fact that both of them have a struggle maybe to, to sort of like hit that note of, um, 
authenticity, I think, is uh, is perhaps not all that surprising when you when you consider their backgrounds, um, which are you know in both cases in in the theater or, or on camera. Mm-hmm. You better believe that Drake is carefully considering what his first acting gig, his first dramatic Oscar caliber acting gig is going to be, and it's going to if he's smart, it'll be a um, supporting role in something. Um, where he, you know, in in the vein of like Harry Styles being in um, a Dunkirk or something, you know what I yeah. mean? And well, and now he can now he can add a Grammy to his uh, wall of Canadian Emmys, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his uh, Junos, Canadian Teen Enemy, Teen yeah. Emmys, <laughs> his uh, Canadian Cable Aces. Um, but or his <laughs> but anyway, you want to take a quick break? We'll come back. And we'll talk more about uh, our impressions yeah, from Awards Land. back to brother 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 where today we are recapping uh the grammys and we've um done we've talked a little bit about our our sort of you know the the high points and and the low points um in uh in our our viewings of this award ceremony this uh this past weekend um i think uh you know we we really should take a moment to you know and sort of set aside some some time i think to to talk about uh uh, Jan- Janelle Monae's like outstanding performance, um, which was just—it was so cool. Like she, I mean, we were talking a moment ago about um, Lady Gaga and her uh, her sort of um, you know multi-dimension um, uh, per- performer um, uh, abilities. I think uh, Janelle Monae is, is definitely um, tapped into that as well. And you know, yet another person who I, I think is as dynamic on stage as she is on screen. Um, what were your uh, impressions of uh, of this performance? I've been I've been marveling at the fact that Janelle Monet isn't a bigger star since you know Tightrope came out. Um, I just uh, I, I I think she is so incredible, so dynamic. I think she's a phenomenal uh, singer and songwriter and performer, and this was kick ass. And as usual. I feel like in the aftermath, I th- I, in watching it in real time, I thought I was going to walk away 
wake up the next morning and read about Janelle Monet, you know, the totally. ascension uh, <laughs> to the throne of Janelle Monet. And I did read, you know, people liked it, but then well, it could, it got, I mean, it, it's good that you brought up Lady Gaga in this because instead people wrote about the, you know, basically that, I mean, I feel like Janelle Monet was shouted over by Lady Gaga who did, who had a great uh, vocal performance, but she was doing some form of like, you know, uh, glam rock thing with a song that to me has always sounded like a ballad. I didn't, I did not understand the juxtaposition of her, her performance, uh, physical performance with her song that she sang and the vocal performance. So it, that confounded me, but I don't want to, again, that we're, I'm walking down the road of Lady Gaga. You're letting it happen. You're letting it happen. (laughs) I'm making it happen. And Janelle Um, Monae was so good. And, and the choreography was just so right on. I do have to say this was, I believe, the first pants optional Grammys that I recall. I don't think anybody yes. wore pants. No, um, no. And I was going to say, uh, I think that um, St. Vincent and Janelle Monet were shopping at the same like uh, leather store <laughs> <laughs> because those were pretty intense outfits for a uh, you know for for, for a performance awesome. like this. Yeah, totally. I, I really thought the 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 sort of um, I mean the designers were you know may have won the evening in that respect it was um uh you know i i think that um granted uh, uh brandy carlisle showed up wearing all black um and might have been confused for somebody who was doing the load in or load out but um but certainly you know janelle monet and and saint vincent were just killing it out there i mean and you know um uh those are those are great looks i mean i i think janelle monet still feels a little bit like a um uh, like a future robot, um, you know, sent back in time, I think, uh, to, uh, to, to school us in, in the ways of pop music 10 years from now. But at the same time, there's a sort of timelessness about her performance that reminded me of, you know, the, the comparison that she always wins, which is of that, uh, with, with Prince, um, and even, you know, a, a sort of Michael Jackson element to, um, what appeared to be, uh, uh, like, let's say like three quarters of a moonwalk, um, for, for a minute there when she first lost the guitar. So, um, you know, I, I really, I thought it was, it was so cool to watch. Um, and it just made me want to see, you know, the rest of her set. basically. Yeah, I want to see her live. I want to go see her live. But I just, I, it is funny. I keep thinking that she is, again, she keeps being positioned to be this breakthrough artist. Yes. And frankly, I think she's going to win, a, you know, an Oscar before she is acknowledged as a rock star. I think she's a really a tremendous actress. I mean, as exhibited in, in, you know, her run last year with, with Moonlight and everything, but it's funny. Like she just keeps being positioned to, to sort of dethrone everybody and it keeps not happening. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's partly, I think like the, the narrative has been that she's always on the cusp. Um, but I think somebody just needs to, to get out there and write the story that she's arrived um, it's been written. I mean, I've I've seen her on. That's really, true. She did win a lot of the top ten. Uh, but I also, I've also seen her outside of the rock press and in like very you know places like I think I've seen her on a profile on like sixty minutes or something. I mean, they they this goes well beyond trying to. Well, make as we her, know, all the kids are watching sixty minutes. But, I, but that's my point. My point is that they want yeah. to make her universally, you know, uh, except in the way or universally renowned in the same way that like Lady Gaga is and it's it's not happening some for some reason and I don't I can't put my finger on why. Well, it's an interesting good. it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition between her and 
uh, between, you know, and Cardi B, who I think, um, with Janelle Monáe, it's like there's very evidently, like, substance um, and style, uh, but I, I, frankly, I don't know what kind of social media presence she has. Um, maybe it's working like, within the industry. I mean, maybe she plays by the rules too much because, yeah. um, you know, I mean, even, even her, you know, obviously she's attempting to be um, slightly controversial, not controversial, but, you know, at least... Um, uh, attention grabbing with songs like Pink and, and yelling vagina on during the Grammys, but um, Cardi B is a is somebody who's not going to be told what to do, and somebody who's not going to be playing by the rules, even if even if someone else is. You know, it's the uh, no, that's uh, absolutely right. I mentioned, um, you know, I, I think it was striking to me that she played the uh, ABNs, the the um, you know Oscars of. of Porn oh, I didn't even know what you, what you said when you said that. I thought you said the EDMs. I thought you. Oh, no, no, no. I'm you know, which is it, it uh, held in, and I guess they it held in Vegas. They've never had a, a musical performance before, um, and you know, and she she performed there less than a month ago, which I think presumably was lined up after she accepted the Grammys um, uh, performance. Otherwise, I doubt she would have been given one. Um, I just I think that 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 is the kind of uh, like rebelliousness and and you know attitude that's that's earned her so much affection. Um, she isn't pretending not to give a fuck. Um, she might actually just not give a fuck. Well, and then uh, you, you, you you put you know that you hold that in in contrast to the the third person who was present by not being present. That's Ariana Grande, who had a um, you know had a. T- dust up with the show's producers uh, a week or two before, or fairly soon before the Grammys, and, and told them to fuck off and decided not to play. So you know you've got those three things. You know one one is somebody making you know something of a uh, bold statement by appearing and you know attempting to um, you know sort of generate some controversy within the rule book. One. Who truly just who whose presence just says I don't give a shit, and uh, and then somebody whose absence says something um, by saying I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Yeah, um, and you know I think uh, Cardi B is a, a natural instinct for um, staying directly in front of the camera um, while uh, while sort of you know ginning up some of this controversy, and it's made her a very appealing figure. Um, I, I do think that my, my favorite recommendation of the last several weeks was for her to give the State of the Union rebuttal, um, which uh, which is like one of the best ideas Ever. I think I've heard in politics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in uh, in quite some time. So uh, if if you know um, if our lawmakers learn anything this year, it's uh, it's it's the um, Cardi B should be a, a public office holder of some kind. And so, uh, you know, sort of on the other end of the spectrum, um, the, the, the going from people who don't give a fuck to people we don't give a fuck about, um, <laughs> uh, Post Malone and Red Hot Chili Peppers pairing was just sort of, it was prime, you know, it's, it feels like it's sitting there just to be shit on by the critics, but it did suck. Yeah, totally. It was uh, it was incredibly um, weak uh, across the board. Yeah, I I really think um, you know this was just one of the like poorest um, uh, you know sort of song combinations. Like I 
I don't even know, like, what the hell, like, why the Chili Peppers ever, like, slow it down um, is just so confusing to me when they, you know, were so damn good. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it like, at a different tempo. Um, and I think in my, uh, in the, in the best and worst, um, uh, sort of framework that, that we're using here, uh, I did enjoy seeing the, the headline that, um, Post Malone and, uh, and Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, won the award this year for worst life advice, <laughs> um, which is, uh, which is where not to get tattoos, um, <laughs> on your face. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's funny that, you know, I mean, the Chili Peppers fall, uh, into that category of bands I saw before you were born. Um, and you know, they were an exciting band, uh, 34 years ago. Um, yeah. And the odds that Post Malone t- makes it to 34 are pretty slim. I don't know. <laughs> I, he feels pretty calculated to me. Um, yeah, that might be true. And then, um, you know, the, you know with, with, like I said before, there's, um, you know, the, everybody on the show seemed to be trying to establish themselves as, as, uh, um, in a, in a, in a light, at least one element of their, um, ability in a light that you hadn't previously seen them in post Malone's obviously grabbing a guitar and, and jamming with the chili peppers, I think is, is meant to, you know, I, I bet it is meant to sort of signal that he can go both ways. He, you know, he can do the sort of hip hop game and, and ultimately he's going to turn into kid rock. Um, yeah. If you were to like fucking Frankenstein, all of my like most hated musical tropes of the last 25 years, you might actually arrive at post Malone. Like, <laughs> like he, he's, he's like, just, he's like this sort of Mark McGrath meets like Fred, um, uh, uh, Fred Durst. Uh, yeah, I was totally. getting Robert and Fred confused. Everlast uh, meets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's oh. Meets Jonathan it, Davis, meets yeah, and uh, it just there's no. It's not clear to me that he can rap, um, yet he insists on being classified within that genre. Um, it might it just, just be Harmar Superstar in new clothes. <laughs> yeah, but like I feel like I would get that guy's joke. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't understand. And, and yet, you know, I mean, whatever. You know, stuff passes you by. I mean, I, there's certain things where I just don't understand uh, the appeal. Um, but I do think too. I mean, like when we were in England a couple years ago, and we asked my eight-year-old uh, goddaughter who she liked, and she said, "Imagine Dragons." And we both looked at each other and go, "Oh, that's who." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we like found their Malone fan base. Kind of <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that that is that is perfectly possible. Although I will remind you um, of uh, of the sagely wisdom you once provided me um, in a similar context, which was sometimes it's not you, it's them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think uh, we will we will leave it with that. Take a break and um, want to come back and do uh, what are you listening to and Absolutely. add a couple songs to the playlist. Absolutely. Baby, don't make me spell it out for ya All of the feelings that I got for ya Can't be explained, but I can try for ya Yeah, baby, don't make me spell it out for ya You keep on asking me the same questions Can't second guess it, all my intentions Should know by the way I use my compression that you got the answers to my confessions It's like I'm powerful with a 
Podcast. We are going to end this podcast the way we end every podcast with me shocking Christian with the same question every time, which is, what are you listening to? Oh, all right. This time I actually, I, sh- I did my homework. I showed up prepared. Um, I, uh, I have been watching Conversations with a Killer, um, uh, with, which is uh, the Ted Bundy um, documentary that came out on um, Netflix uh, pretty recently and is, you know, really, I, I guess, walking me through... Um, all of the various reasons why I was not allowed to play outside as a child, um, which uh, which I guess passed pass ruined my as, love for music. By the way, as, a, <laughs> as an actual veteran of of a uh, of a serial killer um, high alert um, drill yourself, I mean, it must be a little interesting I, when the Washington sniper yeah uh, was on um, the loose. They you were. Pre- uh, that's were, right. We we got uh, yeah. We had after school sports canceled for for about um, uh, a week, I guess, which um, clearly was uh, such a, a formative um, and, and <laughs> made such a huge impression on me that I had no idea what you were talking about a second oh, ago. Interesting. I um, remember it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was probably something. But as with as with many of these things, I'm sure it was much more traumatic for parents of twenty year old girls at that time than it was um, for twenty year old girls at that time you know it's like kids are often kind of oblivious to the risks of being I, kids i do um, think though that it, i mean I, and i've you know i, I watched this just you know tell you somewhere uh, around where my interests lie you know i saw this the morning that it came out um <laughs> but uh you know i was talking to liz brixius about it when uh you know when i was with her and she's like oh you know i remember being i, I and forgive me for getting this wrong but she said it you know i, I remember the theta chai killer or whatever because she was in college probably or, or high school and, and, you know, didn't know his name. I mean, obviously yeah. knew it in retrospect, but, um, now, but at the time it was, he was like the Theta Chai killer. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, um, it, it's a sort of funny, like what, the, what this helped put in perspective for me, I guess, was the fact that there was a string of these things. Um, it wasn't just Ted Bundy. It was also, um, uh, John Wayne Gacy and, you know, a, a handful of others who I think were sort of somewhat lower profile. But the, the notion of, like, uh, serial killing, I guess, sort of captured the public imagination um, and, uh, you know, really sort of dominated headlines and I think probably drove um, a, a, you know, fairly high degree of fear um, in a way that, you know, every so often does occur with uh with with these sorts of stories i mean i guess um that you know throughout the late 70s and 80s was that i mean is that sort of something you recall or 100 percent. i mean i lived you know i lived in my summers with our dad in california and there was the zodiac killer and there was the you know uh that was never who was never caught the unabomber uh, i guess as well no no yeah. unabomber's way later uh, that and also oh, really? that didn't scare anybody that was just bizarre um but the you know p- the zodiac killer the hillside strangler um there was there's a, a, a little white little uh, little known um you know sort of rampage uh serial killer called the i believe it was called the zebra killer 
um, that just drove through San Francisco and, and shot people. It didn't last very long, and they were caught. But um, it was, you know, it was racially motivated random murders. Um, who was the uh, guy who was, I guess, actually sentenced like last year or two years ago? Um, the, I believe in San Francisco. Uh, oh, that was the Golden Gate. Um, and the uh, was that Pat, the Golden, Patton Golden State wife actually broke the. Or sort of helped Correct. to, to yeah, piece that was, together that, that was story a Golden State um, killer who was a you know serial rapist and killer. And there was BTK in in Kansas. City. Don't get me started. This is my I can have my own <laughs> podcast on. But you know you had BTK in Kansas City. You had Son of Sam in, in the summer uh, in the seventies in New York, where you know you, you asked my wife about that, and it was like they were everybody was petrified to go to New York because they were killing girls, uh, and of course New York being the media capital that it is, was really good at publicizing that. So Ted Bundy actually cut a, a wider sweat. You also had the Green Green River Killer who was operating <laughs> the same area as Ted Bundy. But Ted Bundy, the the, the thing that was so, um, you know, remarkable about Ted Bundy uh, is that he was a normal-looking guy who was studying right. law and, you know, looked like he went to college and, you know, was clean cut. I mean, John Wayne Gacy looked like John Wayne Gacy. And, yeah. I you know. mean, yeah, it's sort of uh, one of those things that, that you, you you know, I sort of ask yourself in retrospect, like, how could how could people not have known, right? But but with, with Ted Bundy, the, the sort of folk wisdom on that subject was, wow, I really don't, you know, I don't think I would have known either. Um, the, the and, and that was sort of what was so disturbing about it. It was that, well, the, that was very disturbing one that he, you know, he looked like a, like a, you know, solid husband material um, to uh, throw it back to 70s vernacular, but also that, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a, yeah, when I look back at the uh, documentary itself, the thing that I find so shocking, I, A, that he, you know, he was able to escape custody twice in Aspen in like, you know, a couple of days. And, um, and that, you know, there was so little communication. I mean, we talk about pre-internet yeah. stuff, but I mean, this is like pre, pre, uh, I don't know, this is pre-phone calls, it feels like, you know. I mean, yeah, the, de- the detective uh, who was on the case in, in Washington State, I guess, actually does talk about the fact that one of the first um, multi-state task forces to be assembled um, to sort of share information and communicate back and forth on this string of murders that occurred within their jurisdiction. Um, and, and this is really sort of from a, a, an outsider's perspective or somebody who's sort of new to, um, you know, this, this the subject matter. Game. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, who, who doesn't study this with his, quite as much um, zeal as you do. Uh, you know, but really that was sort of one of the most interesting parts was like the way that this actually propelled forward, um, you know, police communication uh, and sort of interaction um, and information sharing uh, in, a, in a relatively short period of time. Um, well, if you ever so watch the show Mindhunter, um, does great that, show. That, well, that's the, you know, that's the um, task force Basis. that... Uh, you know, that was born of this kind of thing. Yeah. So no, that's a, that's a terrific show. I'm actually looking forward to, uh, to season two of that. I'm not, so it comes much. out later this year, right? This summer. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, so what, what about you? What are you listening to? Um, I have been on a documentary tear myself and I watched this morning, uh, documentary that's on YouTube, not even YouTube TV, but YouTube, uh, called 66 days, which is a, uh, documentary about, uh, Bobby Sands hunger strike back in 1981, um, IRA, 
uh, Northern Ireland, uh, the Troubles, and the power of uh, Bobby Sands having declared a hunger strike and starving himself to death um, in uh, for uh, prison reform and or uh, prisoner reform. And it uh, just a, a you know incredibly powerful and, and cheerful story. Yeah, I I highly recommend not watching. I I, I, I recommend it and then recommend not watching it. How's that? But it is yeah. it did you know it, it's you know it's an it's a story that shouldn't be forgotten. It's not necessarily uh, the greatest documentary I've ever seen, but it is a story that I was reminded of. And also, I may you know I, I made this supposition, um, but you know just in in the same you know, vein of, of looking back at how the media, you know, for, sort of evolved into handling these things. I do remember um, uh, the Bobby Sands story being very much of a national news story in America that didn't seem like it would ordinarily have been a national news story in America. And I, and I put the pieces together and I'm, I'm making, I'm hypothesizing here, but I believe I might be right that they started Nightline in 1979 as a daily recap of the hostage crisis in Iran, and I believe that it was resolved just you know in early '81. Um, the hostages were brought home, and the Bobby Sands story in Northern Ireland may have fit the bill for an extended, long uh, form. No, oh, interesting. Telling story and again, a sort of multi-segment and you know. Uh, addition of or installation in the sort of um every emerging night. 24 hour or yeah night at least nightly news segment. Yeah, yeah and and i'm i'm fairly certain that that hypothesis is correct i will go and um as usual i will profess it first and go and research it later um, or just wait for somebody to tell you that you're wrong yeah, with exactly. the end of evidence yeah <laughs> you know how that goes but no it did send me down a rabbit hole and then you know that being said, my you know our our grandmother, our father, uh, grew up about two blocks from the hotel that they blew up in in Brighton, and that was a, a very that like serial killers in my in my childhood was a pretty um, devastating and and uh, remarkable uh, thing for me to think about was that you know terrorists were bombing uh, locations that were a block away from from my family, so it was an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting revisitation of that story from a different perspective. Excellent. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that out. I, uh, I actually wasn't wasn't too familiar with this one, but um, but I'm excited to hear that it's that it's good. Um, On a lighter uh, note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, would you like to add a song to the playlist? I would, and I think you're going to have to tell me if I've added, if, whether I'm adding this for the more than the first time, but, uh, is Stuck Between Stations by the Hold Steady on there already? I don't believe that it is. I don't either, um, so I'm putting it on. All right, I like it. That's a good choice. Um, I will go, uh, to a classic, one that I'm surprised actually isn't on there yet, um, and add... Blank Generation by Richard Helm. One of the greatest of all time. Yeah, that is uh, that is a killer song. Um, well, this has been fun. Uh, Let's do it again yeah, soon. Grammy's so entertaining, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shocking. All right. All right. I will, uh, we'll catch up next week. Awesome. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall. And to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. 
Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.